Welcome to Stoneboy Speaks, Beginnings, Episode 3. In this episode, we're discussing the gods of Eden. What do I mean by that? Well, let's start with where we were connecting the stories of ancient Sumeria and the cuneiform clay tablets we talked about which vastly predate the Bible by thousands of years, in which the same story seems to be told of the beginnings of mankind, of Adam, Adamu, and Eve, named Tiamat in the cuneiform tablets. Now, let's start by looking at some of the biblical references realize here as I said before that what we're talking about really in the Garden of Eden in the Bible is an allegorical tale not talking about the creator source which we have discussed before this I argue very clearly is probably the biggest problem in mankind's history is this confusion which has been created on purpose make no mistake between people's perceptions of the all that there is the source of all things the infinite field of all possibility the conscious field of all things which as I've said before is beautifully um, sort of allegorized in Star Wars as the force yes this force that permeates and is all things that contains darkness and light is all things and just like in the force you could be you know a Jedi playing with the light side as it were higher vibrational or you could be dark side like the Sith you could also be what's little known in the Star Wars mythology but it's there uh, is the grey Jedi which is one that plays in the middle with balance that's very interesting we'll come back to that but anyway to move on for today what we're talking about is in the Garden of Eden Genesis let's talk about what it actually says in the Bible so where does this confusion between the creator source of all things and this literally gods which we talked about last time which simply means those who from heaven to earth came in this case that means another planet they came from another planet to earth that's what heaven means it never meant anything else again another mistranslation or misunderstanding should I say so let's look at the first thing I would say the first reference in the Bible and I have the Bible here with me so I'm literally looking at it and one of the first statements that is clearly important here is it says and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea etc etc right so two things there so first of all in our likeness 
and that's the biggest giveaway isn't it well we don't look like the source of all things a formless amorphous field of everything how could we it's arguable that we are you know um, obviously a microcosm of the macrocosm anybody who knows anything about um, the idea in quantum theory of um, holographic universe i.e. yes to some extent as Nassim Haramein would say there are these patternings of course where there's patternings between um, atoms and the way in which an atoms let's say just very very loosely you know has electrons going around which is very loosely like um, let's say a, a um, solar system like our solar system with planets going around the Sun same idea right more or less um, well this this kind of like pattern can be seen throughout nature in many ways often geometric and we'll talk about that again another time but made in our image I would argue is quite a direct reference um, and especially if we see this in terms of the cuneiform text not only do we look exactly like them we are spliced from their DNA according to the cuneiform text they spliced us with them their genes with the hominoids on the planet at the time and then did some tinkering with the DNA and we'll talk about that in a second the other point here is apart from the fact that it says um, in our image it also says and pay close attention let us make man in our image well that's pretty interesting because if there's only one God then who the hell is he talking to who is he talking about exactly and doesn't this this occurs more than once in Genesis and I think I don't know how people you know we've all missed this for years I did you know until perhaps a few years ago um, so another point in this is then for instance he has the you know the talk with the you can eat of anything in the garden do what you want to Adam and Eve but you mustn't eat of the tree of knowledge first of all why would an all-powerful all important creator source of all things want to stop mankind knowing anything well why would you see the fundamental here is if you're all-powerful all-knowing all that there is you have nothing to fear from anything or anyone ever because you are everything right and you are all-powerful so how could you feel some little fear some little creature you've just created from clay or whatever right well the answer is you couldn't and you wouldn't so why the fear right and secondly if you're also benevolent also giving and loving this is a fundamental point everybody misses why is the first action that you do here to try and stop them doing something rather than at least maybe explaining to them and saying look don't eat this tree because it's poisonous that's just what I'm saying you know um, and he does say of course yes oh you'll you'll die of that tree you'll die of that but it's the way it's put because we then find out later of course that he was lying and this is the fundamental point so if he was telling the truth and it was a poisonous tree 
then we think, oh yes, you are a righteous, great, benevolent God, right? But he isn't. He's lying. So the first action done between God and mankind is a lie. I mean, that's quite a fundamental huge point to think about, isn't it? A lie. So, then along comes the snake, right? And it's interesting that it isn't the devil to start with or anything. He's just called a snake. And he's called a snake because it's just an allegorical tale of us, as I've said, between Yahweh, who is really Enlil, and the snake, who is the representative animal we have talked about of Enki, his brother, the illegitimate son, the illegitimate heir to the throne of Nibiru, basically, right? And the war between these two is the fundamental thing that has shaped the beginning of humanity on this world, and, and a lot of it. Whether people realize that or not, it has. Um, and so now he's painted as the, the very bad negative character. Obviously, because the book is about Enlil in this specific instance, and all Hebrew traditions are very much biased in the case of Yahweh, Enlil, or his family, because he's their lineage. That's correct. He's the main lineage. Now, as I said, different parts of the planet were ruled by, particularly mainly in the Middle East at the beginning, by these two gods and their lineages, these two um, leaders and their lineages, right? The two brothers. So what happens is it depends on the perspective of where you're from. And later, I'll show you later on in the, in Genesis, not Genesis, sorry, in the Bible. And in Egyptian mythology, you'll see how the same is applied from the Egyptian point of view, which of course was Enki's line towards the negativity towards the lineage of his brother is applied, just in a different way. Uh, I'll explain later. So, in this instance, we were still in Genesis, and we see that the snake is there, and the snake says, oh, um, no, Yahweh's lying. Uh, he says, and I quote, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Interesting phrase. You, you won't just be kind of enlightened or powerful or whatever. You'll be as gods, plural, because he's telling them, you'll be like us. That's right. That's what's being said here. And this is the point that's so directly missed, and it's in the words themselves. They're talking about gods, plural. What other gods could there be if there's only one God that exists? How can he be talking about that? How can he be, you know, Yahweh be talking plurally to other people if there's only him as one God? You'll be like us, us. So these things are missed directly. And another quote here as I'm turning the page here, which is, I think, of great importance showing this in Genesis, is, um, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us. This is after they've eaten of the tree, obviously, right? So they've had the apple and all the rest of it. And the Lord God says, he's, they've become as one of us, one of us. Again, again, this word, here we go. He doesn't say, oh, the man has now gained knowledge, and I banned that. He says, the man has now become as one of us. Us. Who? The gods. That's it. 
to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and we'll talk about what that is in a minute, and eat and live forever. Now, the tree of life gives eternal life, more or less, immortality, which the gods theoretically had in all ancient traditions from Norse through, as I say, through um, Sumerian and uh, Indian, Hindu, they were immortal, effectively. And it says, so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So, so what's the tree of life? Well, the tree of life is the DNA alpha double helix which all your genes are placed upon. How can it be that or why am I saying that? Well, because some of your genes have definitely, without question, been turned off. They're called, by science, junk DNA. I think we mentioned this previously. Nature doesn't have any junk DNA. It doesn't work that way. You don't see that anywhere else in nature. So what are you talking about? Well, some of that splicing, as I said before, was given away, is given away by the fact that, as I've mentioned earlier, in the Journal of Nature, there's a study on chromosome number two, which you can see has been spliced, and their conclusion is in the past, at some time in humanity's past, chromosome number two has been spliced. Genetic material has been removed and it's been reattached. Re really? What? By who? By whom? At what time? When? And, and why? No mention, of course, but there you have it. That tells you that we are a tampered with species and you have the allegorical tale telling you right here what that's to do with it's to do with the fact that by switching some of the genes off by tampering with let's say one of the genes or others humanity is not immortal like the gods although you know this is just a general term they've used because when you come across um, any of the Sumerian texts they're not immortal, they don't live forever but they live for thousands of years this is the idea this is the idea and you see this because where do we see this referenced? we see this in the kings lists of ancient kings of Egypt we see it in the ancient kings lists of Sumeria in both those kings lists and as we talked about earlier one, what, oh that's right, one of the gods the heads of the gods and they'll more important in Sumeria, one more important in Egypt, that's right, Enki Enlil. In both places, their king's lineages run like this. So at the beginning, the, the lineages of the gods' kings runs for thousands and thousands of years. It's like in, to use the one in Egypt, the first pharaoh run for thousands and thousands of years, that's because he's a god. And then as they go later on, of course, they become more human times and they live for, you know, 70 years, 80 years, whatever. But the bottom line is, so their ruling times drop, obviously. on This is on the wall of one of the temples in Egypt. You can, you can Google this, okay? It's right there. Now, the, the argument that 
scholars would say is, oh, well, that's just a myth. They sort of made that bit up. So they made the first bit of the list up. It's like, but why would they? Here's the thing. If, you, if I'm going to make a list of kings, right, um, who, lived, who ruled the land, let's say I made a list of kings who ruled the land of England. And at the beginning, I make up one, oh, Mrs. Mumbo Jumbo ruled from 13, whatever, right? Oh, then Mrs., you know, Magical Mushrooms, whatever, you know, some nonsense. And then, oh, Mary Queen of Scots ruined from this time to this time. And you go, well, uh, okay. It's the equivalent of you telling your child um, about uh, reading a book for, of National Geographic, let's say, telling them about, I don't know, the Rift Valley in Africa, and then halfway through, breaking off into a tale of, uh, for want of a better example, uh, Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> which has some important points, but um, it would make no sense. You've got nonsensical fairy tale work, right, mixed with something that is quite definitely factual. Any tradition you come across in the world tends never to do that. You don't get the two mixed. It doesn't happen that way. They don't mix fantasy and reality. They make may mix allegory, but they don't mix fantasy. So we have to understand that that cannot be the case that it's just a messed up thing and oh yeah they just decided to put some made up bit at the beginning it doesn't make sense right so what that tells us is that those people really ruled or that the following people didn't but we know factually that the later pharaohs did there's a lot of evidence to show that so very odd okay but we realize now that all that genetic code has been changed adapted in order to keep humanity down, in order to control them and use them for what they were intended for, which is workers at the time when they first came to the planet, the reason that mankind were made was to dig for gold, which they required for their atmosphere, which I mentioned earlier, and they needed a worker think the same, again, to use a Star Wars analogy, the same way as they have the Clone Wars in Star Wars. Almost the same, that they had clones to do that work for them. The point with Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve is not the beginning in the Sumerian tablature of the story of humanity. It is the beginning of humanity not being, if you like, clones, but being able to reproduce themselves. And that's the point of the tree of knowledge. You see, the reason that Endel um, and Yahweh in the Bible, basically, gets so angry is in the Sumerian tablets, he's very angry, of course, because they're given the ability to reproduce. And as such, that means that they are now, in effect, independent and can create their own lives to some extent. Right. Also implied, of course, is, and this is a deeper thing, that some knowledge was given, tree of knowledge, that's a deeper thing. But, and it may be the case that 
that's probably allegorical for something at a later stage of human development, in all honesty, given to them by Enki in, actually, the mystery schools, which we will get to. Um, in, in the Bible, of course, Yahweh is incredibly angry um, because they ate of the tree of life, they know they're naked, you know, this is the thing. So it's the allegorical thing about they know they're naked. No, it's nothing to do with being naked. It's to do with... Um, and, and of course this is the idea of original sin comes from this nonsense which is very simply this in the Bible it's like oh no they knew they were naked and they were ashamed no all they did is Adam knew Eve and when Adam knew Eve that's in the biblical sense that means they had sexual intercourse which means they could reproduce they could have children that's the point because that's what's written in the Sumerian tablature. They could reproduce, Enlil was angry, and therefore, of course, they became independent to some extent. This is really what's being said there. It's nothing to do with being, oh, the shame of nakedness. or There's no sin committed. This is nonsense, of course. It's to make humanity feeling guilty for what? For actually not doing anything. In fact, in the Sumerian tablature, what's being said is, um, really, Enlil's just been angry with his brother for doing this to, with humanity and allowing them, of course, this ability to tamper with them this way and create them this way. But in the Bible, that's put upon humanity to make them feel guilty, like it's as if they did something wrong. It's just an allegorical tale. They didn't do anything. But even if they did... The bottom line is, what did they really do in the Bible? They ate of a tree, right, which they were told not to by this so-called God, the God apparently, Yahweh, right? And yet that same God lied to them. The first lie in the Bible. The first lie ever. Think about that. The first lie is by Yahweh, the God of all worlds apparently himself and all it's to do is to stop them reproducing that's the reality you know so we've got to put that in context and as I say there is also this reference that maybe the snake uh, Enki gave them knowledge also and that's indicated because at a later date humanity was given in the mystery schools some secret knowledge of the gods only to specific humans at first and the story of why that became extremely problematic and mixed and now has become the fundamental foundations of modern day brotherhood groupings these horrific negative people who run the world like the elites as people like to call them whatever um, there are many brotherhood organizations they all come from that first mystery school tradition the problem is the first mystery school tradition was very probably one that was intended in a benevolent way that was placed there for people who wished to achieve certain things but they had to make an effort but it was available to anyone who could make that effort then, of course, at a later date, that became changed so that only people of a certain, let's say, privilege or lineage were allowed to access that information. 
We'll talk about this next time and discuss some of the other specific points in more detail. Until then, truth, freedom, and balance.